last week we talked about faith. And this week we're going to talk about faith again. And next week one more time. But on different aspects of it. So last week we talked about what faith is and what, what faith is not. And we came to the conclusion from the biblical text that faith is not an opinion. That faith is not a feeling. That faith is not a mood. Faith is actually a conscious decision that you make to place your trust in God. And that faith is like this transaction by which you surrender yourself and God gives you eternal life. And all of that through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So faith is based on evidence. We also talked that uh, many times we know we, when people come to church, we study the Bible with them. And then they come and join the church. And the, the question was asked, do we need to forget about our faith, about our reason at that point? Once you become Christian, you just throw out the window your reasoning and your intelligence because now you walk by faith. Is that truth? Our faith and intelligence, faith and reasoning, mutually exclusive. No, they are not. Because right there in Hebrews 11, we saw in verse 3 that the Bible says, By faith we understand that God made the worlds and everything in it. Even though we were not there, but we understand by faith because we have the testimony of Scripture. And God helps us understand this by the reading of Scripture. Now, God, Jesus in the Bible answered prayers uh, immediately, answered requests immediately. And there are some examples of that. Like when the centurion came to, the Roman centurion came to Jesus and said, I have a servant who is sick at home. He's paralyzed in bed. Could you do something? And Jesus says, yes, I will come and heal him. He said that immediately. As soon as the request came, Jesus said, yes, I will go there and heal him. And in fact, the Bible never says that Jesus ever touched the sick man, that Jesus ever even looked at the sick man. But the Bible says that because of the faith of the centurion, Jesus declared the man healed. And in fact, he was healed immediately. You remember that woman who had a, an issue, a discharge of blood. And she was for 12 years with that disease. And she came around looking for Jesus because she had faith that Jesus could heal her. And the only thing she was able to do was not to touch at the at the hem of Jesus' garment. And by touching the hem of Jesus' garment, she was healed. It was instant. It was just like this, an immediate response to faith. But I can appreciate that it has not always been so. And in your life, you probably more often than not, you have experienced the fact that it is not always as immediate when you ask something that God will respond that immediately. And how do we deal with that? How do we work our faith through all of that? And that's what we're going to talk today. So before we do, let's bow our heads and let's pray and ask, ask God's direction. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much because you have allowed us to be here in your presence, presence today. And we know that according to scripture, there is a special blessing upon those who set aside the seventh day of the week to worship you and consider this seventh day as your true Sabbath. So for that, we are thankful that you have brought us here today. And as we open up scripture and we talk about these questions related to our faith, to the Christian faith, uh, 
to the saving faith that will enable, will enable us, will allow us to have everlasting life. We ask for your direction once again. May you guide us, may you guide me, use me as your instrument. And please, Lord, direct my words that everything I say will be a reflection of your desire for us today. And bless each and every worshiper here. May we leave this place feeling fed by your word. I ask you in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. And so it, it's not always been like that. There are examples in the Bible and there are examples in your personal life and in my personal life that sometimes we'll ask something of God and the response will, will appear not to be immediate. There have been occasions in my life where I have asked and the answer has come just immediately. But many times I have had to wrestle with the issue of having my, answer, my prayers not answered just immediately. And so how do we deal with this? Here is a story that may help us with that. And this is found in Matthew 15. And it's the scripture reading that Nika read today, this morning. So I want to bring you back there to Matthew chapter 15, verses 21 to 28. Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And let's read that again. So please follow with me, Matthew 15, verses 21 to 28. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And so Jesus was ministering in Galilee. And the last place that is mentioned in chapter 14 is a city, a town called Gennesareth. And so maybe Jesus was there before he decided to go to a place where he could find some rest, some uh, quiet time where he could take a break because people were coming after him all the time. And he decided to go out to the region of Tyre and Sidon uh, with the intent of having some rest there with his disciples. But the Bible says that he went to Tyre and Sidon, which was quite far from Jerusalem, uh, probably more than 100 kilometers away from Jerusalem. And so you know that they didn't have vehicles as we have today. They would have to walk all the way there. And reading the text, I come to the conclusion that Jesus was intentional in going all the way out there because he knew that this woman needed him. He knew that this woman's daughter needed him, needed deliverance, that he, only he 
could provide. Only God can provide. And so Jesus decides to go there. Now the Bible doesn't say that he went into the city of Tyre. Or that he went into the city of Sidon. But the Bible says that he went to the region. What the Bible does say, you see that, is that the woman from that region came out to meet Jesus. And so she felt the need to see Jesus and she had heard about him. And she had had the testimony of other people and she decided that she was going to come out and see him. And that's what the Bible says. And she comes and she presents to Jesus her, her request. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, there are several factors playing into this episode here. She comes, she presents her request to Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus did not answer her a word. Now, Jesus must have been onto something because Jesus is the word. And for the word of God not to say word, something must, must be in Jesus' mind. Jesus must have an intention, an intent with that. And so Jesus doesn't say anything. And the woman is asking, help me, have mercy on me, O Lord. And uh, the next persons to speak are the disciples. After Jesus doesn't say anything, the disciples turn to Jesus and say, Lord, send her away. For she cries out after us. Now the Bible records only one uh, sentence from this woman in the beginning. Where she says, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon possessed. But even though the Bible only records that once at the beginning of the text. We can, from the, from the response that the disciples are, are, are having. We can understand that she was continually asking. Because they say, she cries out after us. Some Bible translations will say, she's crying out after us. Which means, was not only once, but she kept going after them and say, Have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord. Help me, help me, Lord, son of David. And the disciples said, Lord, send her away because she keeps uh, crying out after us. Now, let's not be too hard on the disciples and just assume that they wanted to get rid of her uh, without her being blessed. Because by Jesus' response, right? So uh, it's kind of taking clues from what the text says, from what the Bible says. So the Bible shows us that the disciples said, send her away because she's crying out after us. And so she was making that request continually. And the disciples say, send her away. From Jesus' answer in the next text, Jesus says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So when Jesus says that, it makes us understand that the disciples did not necessarily want her to go away without a blessing. They were probably meaning, Lord, you have all the tools. You are qualified. You can do this. You have all the power. Please bless her and send her away so she will stop crying out after us. But Jesus says to them, I was not sent to help anyone else except the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now imagine this. We don't know how long this conversation took. There may have been other words that were exchanged that are not in the Bible. But during this time, the woman has not been blessed yet. 
the woman has not had her prayer request answered yet. And Jesus is now having this interaction with the disciples. And she's having to wait. And she's having to ask and continue to ask. And Jesus is almost as telling as trying to teach his, not almost, he's trying to teach the disciples a lesson. Almost as if he were saying, why do you ask me to solve your problem? Because you believe that I was not sent to anyone else other than the house of Israel. This is what they believed. This is what the disciples believed. That Jesus was like their privilege to have. Jesus was pretty much like their possession. That Jesus would have come to bless them and their people and no one else. But they are now asking that Jesus give a blessing to the woman. Even though they knew she was a Canaanite. She was not of the people of Israel. And Jesus says, I was sent to the children of Israel only. But the woman would not stop. While this is going on, she would continue to ask, Lord, Lord, help me, help me, help me. And the Bible says that she comes and kneels down and asks Jesus, Lord, help me. And so let's stop here and meditate a little. Because you see, this may sound as if this all took uh, took only maybe 30 seconds or a minute. We don't know exactly how long. But for someone who is in desperate need, even 10 seconds will be an eternity. When you're feeling pain from a disease and you ask, Lord, relieve me from my pain. Well, if it takes 10, 15 seconds for that pain to go away, it looks and feels like an eternity. And so here is this woman who will not stop crying out to the Lord, bless me, help me, Lord, do something for me. And it seems as it is an eternity. Now, please keep in mind that Jesus is not, uh, it's not that Jesus is not concerned. It is not that Jesus is not caring about you. He does care. Even during uh, the offering today, I was praying this hymn that says, does Jesus care? Oh, yes, he does. He cares. But why sometimes the answer is not immediate? Does he really care? Let me give you an example. Imagine that there is a person, it could be even you, who is not too happy about the level of attention that your spouse is giving you lately. Maybe you're a wife who is looking at your husband and saying, you know, you're not giving me the quality time you used to give a while ago, a few years ago, and we need to resolve this. Or you're a husband who says, you know, my wife is not giving me the attention she used to in the beginning. And that is hurting me. And so you are concerned with that. But what you don't know is that your spouse is going through a hard and difficult time at work. And the reason your spouse is having a hard time at work is because he was sure that he was going to get a promotion after all the work he did. But someone else got the, that promotion, a colleague. And the reason that colleague got the promotion was because that colleague went to their boss and said all kinds of lies to their boss. And their boss went for those lies about this colleague. And so that person got the promotion. And the reason the boss, who used to be a very fair person and a very good manager, the reason why she went for those lies so easily is because she has not been able to dedicate her best 
abilities to her work because she's having a hard time at home. She's suffering with her ailing mother, who after many years of being abused by her husband has decided now to move into her daughter. And the mother is depressed and her body is feeling the results of the physical abuse she suffered and all of that and she's suffering with that and so, and so the boss is, is having all of her efforts and energies and abilities focused into that. And the reason why the, the husband was so abusive to her mother was because he himself had an abusive childhood and went through a lot and he hasn't been able to manage that in his adult life. Now this could go on, right? And so you see that Jesus is very much concerned with your uh, problems. That Jesus is concerned with the fact that your spouse is not giving you the best of attentions. But he also wants to resolve the issue of the husband who left his wife because he had been abused in childhood and he hasn't resolved that yet. He wants him to be saved. And he wants the wife to be restored to her best. And he wants them to get back together again. And he wants the boss to be in a better uh, state of mind where she can exercise her management in a better and more actable and fair way. And he wants your husband to be treated the way he needs at work. And so God is working through all of that. When you ask something to God, when you present a petition in faith, God hears that and he wants to resolve that. But there are several other realities that he needs to either deal first with or he needs to deal with them alongside your issue. And this is what's happening here because the woman is crying out to Jesus, but Jesus had to deal with something else with his disciples. He had to take the time to give them for a teaching moment there with his disciples. And eventually... Eventually the woman comes around and goes straight to Jesus. And the Bible says that she worshipped him. That's what my version says. She came and worshipped him. And the, the word for worship here is one that means that you are actually bowing down. It's the same word that in other instances is used for prayer. And so the idea that you come to Jesus and you bow down to him. Recognizing that he is the king of kings and the lord of the universe. And she bows down, she worships him, and she says, Lord, help me. We would wish this would have been the end of it. And Jesus would say, yes, your daughter is healed. But Jesus goes on to say something that you would wish would not, were not, was not in the Bible. You look at this and says, did Jesus really say this? But yes, he did. He turns to her and says, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Now, in the mindset of the Jewish people at that time, in the mindset of those who were God's people, God's called people, they would look at those who were not believers in God, they would look to them as dogs. They would look to them as those pagan people and those Canaanites and all of those were little dogs who had not been blessed with the privileges that they had. And so Jesus is using an expression that was very much what the disciples thought 
And Jesus says it's not right to take the children's bread and give it to the little dogs. Now, Jesus is not saying that the dogs do not deserve their keep. Jesus is not saying that if you have a pet, if you have a dog, you should never look for their nutrition. Yes. What Jesus is saying is that it is not right to take the bread that your children should be fed with and give it to the dogs. To the dogs what they need. And the children will have their portion. And so the woman listens to that. And rather than being, uh, then rebelling against Jesus, rather than trying to contradict what Jesus says, she says, yes, Lord, yes. It is not right to give the bread that belongs to the children, the children's portion, and give it to the dogs. However, however, the dogs can, can benefit from the crumbs that fall off the master's table. And so, Lord, I will not say anything against what you said because the principle you said is true and is plain. But one thing I'll say, if I could have only the crumbs, if only the crumbs I could benefit from, I would be fine. And at hearing this, Jesus says, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And as you read this and you think, you can remember all those stories in the Bible of people who have wrestled with God. People who have cried to God for a blessing. People who have asked for something in particular. And many times the answer has taken too long for them to receive. At least in their, in their perspective. But this woman, even in spite of the opposition even in spite of the challenging situation he found she found herself in she would not give up and continue to ask until the lord said great is your faith and uh, be it as you desire and so your daughter will be healed and she was healed right then and there at that moment and so this lesson teaches us that we are not to give up we are to continue to plead with god we are to continue to ask him we are to continue to have faith that he is taking care of the issue even though he may have to deal with other issues as well and how do i know that god is able because scripture gives me this evidence scripture gives me the testimony that god is able and powerful and he can resolve all these issues. I just have to trust. I just have to continue to place my faith in him. That in due time. In his time. He will respond. Someone said. Uh, that God is seldom early. But he is never late. God is always going to meet. Your needs. According to his master plan. Maybe from your perspective. This may seem as too long a wait. From God's perspective, it makes all sense. Because God, because God is interested in you, in your well-being, as much as He is in your neighbor's well-being. As much as He is in every other human being uh, on this planet. And so, it makes sense. We just have to trust God that He is able and capable to oversee all of this. And to take care of each and every one of our needs. Our faith is not based on feeling. You may be praying for something for a week. And then you see that it's not resolved. You have to pray for another week. 
And after some time, you realize you have been praying for something for five years. And then all of a sudden, it's been 10 years. Well, God is hearing. God is not deaf. He hears. And uh, during this time, use that time period to exercise your faith, to, to have your faith strengthened. Because in due time, God will have everything else worked out in a way that he will be able to provide you with the answer. Is God able to manage all of that? There is a Christian author that you may have read books of him, and his name is C.S. Lewis. And in one of his most popular books called Mere Christianity, he gives us an example. And I'd like to read this for you because it helps us as an illustration to understand that nothing is impossible to God, and God is able to manage all these billions of requests that go up to his throne of grace every day. And while you are here, maybe in your bedroom, in this corner of the world, in this city of Belleville, which is not the most populated city in this world, but you are here sending your prayers out to God and you wonder, does God hear me? When he's receiving these millions and billions of requests. So listen to this. Suppose I'm writing a novel. I write this. Mary laid down her work. Next thing came a knock at the door. And so I'll stop here. Mary is doing his, her work. And at some point she lays it down. And the next thing is a knock on the door. So for Mary, who has to live in the imaginary time of my story, there is not an interval between putting down the work and hearing the door. But I, who am Mary's maker, I do not live in that imaginary time at all. Between writing the first half of that sentence and the second, I might sit down for three hours and think steadily about Mary. I could think about Mary as if she were the only character in the book, and for as long as I pleased. And the hours I spent in doing so would not appear in Mary's time, the time inside the story at all. And so, maybe Mary, for Mary, the next thing will be to go up to the door and open the door upon that knock. But God is dealing with so many other things. And even though God intervenes and interacts with us in our time, God is not restrained, restricted by our reality. And God can deal with everything that comes to His throne of grace, and He can take care of all of that. Because He is the Maker. And even though He made us and He gave us this allotted time of life, some of us will live 60 years, others will live 90 years, Others will live 110 years. God is not limited by that. And he can absorb all of that information and take care of all of that. And so it may have taken five years or 10 years. It may have been five months so far that you've been praying for something and you still don't see an answer. God has not forsaken you. The testimony of scripture gives us evidence that God has not forsaken you. That God had not forgotten about the plea of that woman. 
she was pleading and she was li- he was listening and he was going to give her the answer. And so God still listens to you. You may always uh, be sure, you can always be sure that God will answer the prayer of faith. You may be like this one mother here in the Bible story that you are concerned with your children. You are concerned with their health. You are concerned with their salvation. And you pray and you pray and maybe immediately you don't see any, any answer, any change at all. But don't give up. Because God will always answer in His time your prayer of faith. There is a text in the Bible in the book of Romans. Romans chapter 10 and verse 11. And the Bible says, Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. Whoever believes in God will never ever be ashamed because He will never disappoint you. Your faith may be tested, but you will never be turned away. Jesus Christ is as compassionate today as He was on that day when this woman came up to Him. Jesus Christ is willing to heal you. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to deliver and set free those who were captive. And He has the same desire today to do that as He had that day. And even today, by faith, with the eyes of faith, you can look up and see Jesus caring for you. Jesus stooping down to listen to your request and to say, Son, daughter of mine, I care for you. I love you. You don't have to be worried because I am going to take care of you no matter what your problem is. God is ready to help mothers who may be overwhelmed with the reality of maternity, of raising children, overwhelmed with the text task of doing the best for their children. God is still in the business of taking care of you. Our children today have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. As much as the daughter of that woman had also been purchased, was going to be purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. He delivered the daughter of that Canaanite woman. He brought back to life the son of a widow. He delivered from spiritual possession the son of a man who had nowhere to go. Nowhere else to do. Nowhere else to go, nothing else to do. He's able to heal the brokenhearted today still. As much as he was. And he, when he stood up in the synagogue and said, Today this scripture is fulfilled because I am the one this, speak, this scripture was talking about. Sometime you may not understand God answers, but the truth is that he is answering. And so trust God that he will answer in his due time and he will. He takes care of you. He loves you. He would never forsake you. This is the evidence and the testimony of Scripture. And I'm sure that God in His love, He not only provided us with all the testimony of Scripture, but He has also operated in your own life. I am absolutely convinced that if you stop to think, you will see many ways in which God has worked throughout your life. And He has once again given you evidence of his love. But there's something I need to bring to your attention too before I finish. Because I don't want it to sound as if anything you ask, you will get it from God exactly the way you asked. 
In this one case here, yes, that's what happened. And the examples I gave you, the centurion, he came up to Jesus saying, oh, my servant is, is paralyzed in bed. And Jesus restored the young man's health. And he was healed exactly as the centurion asked. That woman who had a discharge of blood, she came to Jesus and she touched the hem of his garment. He was healed right there. Exactly as she desired. This woman comes to Jesus asking for deliverance for her daughter who was severely demon possessed. And she was healed and the demon was cast away and she was set free. Exactly as the mother had asked. But it is also not always like that. I want you to come with me to a passage here in the Bible. In, in the book of First John, in the letter of John to the churches... First John, his first letter, chapter 5. First John, chapter 5, and verses 14 and 15. First John 5, 14, 15. I don't want anyone to, to leave this place with the impression that maybe if I ask God to, to do whatever I, I want, He will do. Because in that case, God would be like a puppet to me. I would be owning God. I am his owner now. And he does exactly what I want him to do. Exactly the moment I want him to do that. And so now I'm in control. I don't want you to leave this place here with that idea. I want you to be sure that God answers the prayer of faith. But the answer may not be all the time exactly as you expect. So 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says... Now, 1 John 5, 14, 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in Him. That if we ask anything, right? We ask anything. But there is a qualifier after that. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. And so... You catch yourself sometimes thinking, well, God was the one who put Adam and Eve together in the first place. And God pronounced a blessing upon them. And it is God's desire that couples, when they get united by marriage, that they will live together till one of them uh, faces death. This is God's desire. And so you have a couple of friends who are going through difficult times in their marriage. And you decide you're going to pray for them. And you pray earnestly and you pray every day, Lord, keep them together. Lord, uh, make it happen in their lives as you had originally planned that they will continue together. But in spite of all the prayers you send to God, they still end up divorcing. And so you ask yourself, wasn't that God's will? Why did it happen this way? If we know that God wants to see us together... Or you're praying to someone who is ill, someone who is hospitalized. And you know that God wants us all to, to live a healthy life. And you are praying for that person and you pray and you pray and you pray. And with all the prayers that you send and someone else sends, still the person passes away. And you think, wasn't it God's will to see people healthy? Why did that happen? And so we need to understand that God's will has always been for all His children to, 
to live a life that is full of health, a life that is fully lived with health, with the joy, with peace of mind and everything. But we also know that there was one element that came into this world that was not part of God's original creation. And that is sin. Sin came into this world and things got changed in quite many ways. And so it's not that God's will is not that we live a healthy life. But unfortunately, sin takes its toll in the lives of human beings here. So it's not that God doesn't want to keep couples together. But unfortunately, because of sin, people will end up deciding to separate. And so even though God's will is that everything be always according to his desire, to his original plan. God also respects choices and decisions. And he also has to allow certain things that came as a result of sin. And so, according to God's will, we have to understand that God's will, God's ideal is one thing. But God has to also allow certain things that become, became a reality because of sin. But on the other hand, there are certain prayers that God will always answer. And he will always answer immediately exactly the way you asked. And those are prayers that you, you send to God in regard to a spiritual issue. If you ask the Lord to give you more faith, He will. If you ask the Lord to give you assurance of salvation, He will. If you ask the Lord to give you peace of mind in the midst of all your troubles, He will. Because He will always, always answer the prayer of faith that His children send up to him and so i pray that today you may leave this place knowing that we are not to give up we are to continue to pray and ask for god's direction but god's answer will always be according to his will and god's answer will always come in his due time in due time according to his wonderful and infinite wisdom and I pray that this will encourage you in your journey of faith. That we will continue to trust the Lord. That He is able to take care of everyone, every single one aspect of your life. And He's faithful to do so. Now, we may still think, what about those times where it's not only that it takes a while for God to respond but times where it seems that God is not even listening. And how can I be sure that the answer I'm having, uh, the indications I'm seeing are actually from God or from my own imagination maybe? Well, those questions we'll try to address next week by God's grace. But for now, know that an intelligent faith is based on the evidence of God's love laid out in the Bible in your own life experiences and God is able and willing to listen and answer to all your prayers. God bless.